0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Another Football Podcast, episode 9. We're already here, it's crazy, and we're at week 17 from Liga Mix, waiting to see who the last, what, last slot would be for La Ligia. We have three, three teams battling it out this weekend, so... Uh, this is a special edition podcast. Why? Because we asked you guys, what did you want us to talk about? Tom set out a poll in which you guys voted, and it was really close towards the end. Um, but the topic that we are going to talk about is all the League of teams' highs and lows throughout this season. I know we have still yet to determine the last, you know, Spot basically in La Liga, but we do have a lot to talk about. And we asked you guys what you got, what you guys wanted to hear this week because international break, there's not much we can talk about. We kind of again diverted from doing a Molero podcast, which I always think sounds funny. Um, but with me, you guys know him, Tom. Tom Harrison, how are you?
1: Bien. Siempre un placer para hablar contigo.
0: Muy bien. Siempre tenemos mucho de que hablar, especialmente de fútbol.
1: Absolutamente.
0: So, there you have it. He is on his way to perfecting his Spanish. <laughs> really, really proud of him. He's doing a good job. So, um, we are going to get started. But before, before we just dive into... All the 18 teams in Liga MX. Let's just quickly recap. We're not going to emphasize it too much on just the Mexico friendlies versus Argentina, because honestly, Tom, tell us, tell us why.
1: Well, I think it's just just a comment on the whole autumn and um, two perspectives on it. Really, one is complete waste of time, uh, pretty much. I mean, yes, yeah, so, some young players have had some good experience, but. You've had Tuka coming in who doesn't seem particularly motivated, let's be honest. Uh, it's kind of his time off in a way. Um, but even, even so, he has still had an impact. He's still made changes. So much has changed in terms of how things are done um, from when Osorio was here. So much of what Osorio has done has been lost. And to be honest, a new guy is going to come in and... and completely change everything once again so to me it's been uh, quite a big waste of time i mean i know they're only friendlies i know we've got a long time before anything of significance in terms of international football but time is limited time is precious training time is precious uh, in the international game you don't have that much time to work with your team so if you're looking to build a process and, and get your the players used to a certain style and, and a way of doing things, then uh, every second matters, even if they are just training before or Malero friendlies. You know, maybe you just, you blow off the friendlies, you don't really care what happens in them, but you see the training time is important. So I think it's been a waste because we, we haven't had a proper coach. The other thing to say is that um, it, it shows me how bizarre and just how the international schedule makes no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. In 2018, we had the World Cup, right? This is it. This is the peak of football, all right? This is when international football takes center stage. During FIFA-friendly time, so not there was one friendly outside of FIFA time that they always play in sort of February, early March. So I'm not going to include that because that's just domestic players. During actual international breaks... Mexico played five warm-up friendlies in 2018 for the World Cup. They've played six friendlies afterwards. That just makes no sense. No
0: sense. It doesn't.
1: Absolutely no sense. Um, And and they're all, like, broken up with with a month in between. I mean, I think the schedule is, is terrible. I wish that we had longer international breaks, but fewer of them in a season and um you know if only we would have said hey let's just forget all these international breaks after the world cup and then have an extra month couple of weeks before the world cup to give each team more time to prepare that's only going to make the spectacle of the world cup better more training time more friendlies every team is going to be more prepared and we'll get a better tournament out of it um so i think yeah to me it makes no sense
0: No, I absolutely agree with you. It's just when you put things in perspective like that, it's kind of like these friendlies after the World Cup make no sense. Um, And the only thing I could probably add to it based off of these past two friendlies versus Argentina is that I plot that they played in argentina because they didn't play in mexico they didn't play in u.s where they're home so they're comfortable it's kind of like eh. so in argentina they're in foreign grounds they have more pressure Mm. uh, despite the results it's just they get used to playing under pressure in different foreign grounds where they're not the favorites and i think i that's still probably the only thing i applaud like you said the coach national team is still up in the air nothing has been confirmed so no. we cannot really actually say anything um i was talking to the girls on the 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 our football podcast and i wouldn't be surprised if uh argentina calls tata and say hey come be your coach and that happens why because we've seen it happen so let's just not um, confirm anything yet with that. And, yeah, I mean, the results shouldn't matter. They don't matter. Uh, we kind of all know how the Mexican media handles that. They either, if, even if they would have won, they would have put a lot of buts to it. Oh, but Argentina didn't have Cunagüero, Messi, and Blaine. Oh, but, so we, this Mexico team doesn't make anybody happy at this point and we shouldn't really be stressing it over it right now. There's no plan. There's no... You know, we have to wait until whoever comes in sets a plan and gets that process going for a four-year plan. and yeah. that's all we got to say, honestly.
1: Uh, and I mean, no, n- no one's going to remember these games.
0: Oh no, no.
1: In 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 five days, let alone a year.
0: You know. Yeah, I forgot that I watched the game, the first game for the <laughs> Team. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I they would have won a and maybe still in my memory a couple more days. But anyways. Um, So there you guys have it. That's our little spiel over the uh, Mexico friendlies. Um, But enough of that because we want to go and dig into the highs and lows of every team in Liga Mix. So this should be a very, very interesting podcast. Um, I... Took some notes over all my teams. So did Tom. We have not told each other um, the highs and lows. So some things we might come up into agreeing, and some things we might have differently. So it's very interesting to think, see what Tom has on his highs and lows. Um, so let's start off with Crusasun. They're in first place. Tom, give us your high for Cruz Azul.
1: Well, you could say the whole season. To be honest, it's been. Um, a bit of a dream, I think, for Cruz Azul fans after so many years of struggles. But if you had to pick one specific winning Copemex, I mean, it's only Copemex, but winning something, uh, breaking the the curse, some may say, I think that's was a big thing for them. And um, whatever happens in Ligia, because of that uh, cup victory, because of how they've done the league, it's, it's a successful season for them.
0: I agree. I had Copa Megis, which is a great achievement. I also just added um, the Era Pelaz because it has significantly impacted Cruz Azul, the start of something new. Um, just acquiring already established Mexican players, adding them to the squad. We've already said this, people probably have this in memory. Piojo Alvarado, Elias, Ritschnorsky, you know, players that-
1: Aguilar, Marcone, I, I mean, yeah, the, the signings have been very effective. And, um, it's it's pleasing for me because I I predicted that, that they would do well with the signings so.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know I'm ha- I'm happy in in that sense that they are. Um the other thing is is Corona who's been the probably the best keeper in Liga MX this season. I mean Judging that is a difficult thing. For those who've read my article recently, they'll know. But in terms of save percentage, he has the best. His save percentage inside the box is almost 10% better than anyone else in Liga Mekis. It's quite ridiculous how well he's played this season. And um, especially considering he looked like the last couple of seasons he was on the down. And uh, I honestly thought that they should start looking into replacing him. But he's come back phenomenally well this season and uh, was even in the Mexico squad the last games it's
0: good that you mentioned that if you guys have not read tom's article regarding goalkeepers analysis and all that stuff you should definitely give it a read it's a really really good read i actually had tom read it to me <laughs> because i kind of wanted to you know hear him talking about his own article which is it's a really great read so if you guys um haven't had a chance definitely read into it it's really really good um for a low I could probably say um, probably from half of Liga MX maybe after some international breaks from there they haven't been as consistent I guess some games they f- have failed to come back um, some of the losses is against Atlas, Necaxa, Querétaro, Pachuca I mean I guess I can't say a team has to be perfect but i think some of those games they've had they've been just needed to win and it's kind of in, in inconsistent but i mean that's pretty the the only low i guess i would say what's your low
1: well it's very difficult to pick one out i mean my low is the i think it could be coming i think the low is yet to happen for them uh potentially and I say this not because I believe that they're cursed or anything like that but because um, their overperformance in comparison to it's weird right for years Crucisall have been terrible where it matters mm. most they've played well for many recent seasons they've played well and they have been awful in front of goal and Corona has been very poor this season Corona's been absolutely phenomenal i mean Chris Azul, in total, don't concede many shots um, against them. They don't have many shots against them, but they have quite a lot of shots inside the box against them. Now, at the same time, Corona happens to have, by far, the best save percentage inside the box. So he is saving them. This, I think his level of performance is unsustainable. I also think that their level of performance in front of goal might be unsustainable. Although... Elias and Piojo what they've done I mean Piojo for a, a season Elias for many many seasons that they've performed over you know well above average and done things that um, perhaps you know, you know they're, they're that good that it, it doesn't seem like it's potentially possible but yet they keep doing it so I'm more confident that they'll continue to overperform in front of goal I'm less confident that they'll continue to overperform defensively so I think the, um, the low could be coming if, um, especially if Corona can't keep up that, that level of performance. But I, like I said, they've already won Copa Mekis, They've done so well in the league. I think even, even if they go out of Ligue early, to me, they, they've still got to look at it as a successful season. But there's, there are improvements to be made next season. If they want to continue to be a, a top team, They've got to improve in many aspects of the game. And certainly one is getting more shots on target themselves and receiving less shots in the box.
0: I totally agree with everything. Um, even if Grasso does come out of the league, yeah, I think it's been a good season for them. And Grasso fans should definitely appreciate them. And they, I mean, they have a good established squad, so just keep them up there for next season and look for greater things, so... Okay, moving along to America, who is at number two. Uh, My high is Diego Linus. Um, I think he has been getting more exposure this season. And my high that goes with Diego Linus is that 2-0 game versus Pachuca, where Diego Linus had a fabulous performance, as well as two great goals. One of them was a golazo that I kept replaying. Um, so that's my high for America what's your high
1: and, and liners hasn't missed a shot this season he scored all three shots he's taken funny he'd played more um my high is a bit different i I've picked out the center back pairing Valdez and Aguilera and the reason I picked them out is because of their they i mean defensively America have been very good um mm-hmm. only conceded sixteen goals this season that's the the second least in the league and um they haven't had the benefit of of such a great goalkeeper as Corona Machecín hasn't had that great a season for them um, but I think defensively they, they've been very good particularly this, this centre-back pairing and what they offer as well as defensively is goals and between them they've scored six goals from 14 shots the two centre-backs and America have a history of goal-scoring defenders in recent years obviously Aguilar uh, has been Pablo Aguilar has been phenomenal for many clubs in terms of scoring goals from um, centre-back uh, Paulo Goltz was also someone who could pop up with the occasional goal, and and now they've got Valdez and Aguilera who are contributing goals. And um, at the moment, Etson Alvarez is is not in that sense about partnership, and uh, uh, really rightly so because these two have been fantastic.
0: You know what? And I know my you. Ha- I know
1: you hate me saying that.
0: No, no, no. no. My low is Etson Itzola- 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 Alvarez being taking off in the starting lineup. Mm. That's my low. Because I think you have a great potential in this youngster as a center back, and I mean Aguilera just replaces him. And I think um, definitely when Piojo was at Cholos, and that was during Cholos era where Piojo was, and now coming back to America, definitely taking him back with him to America. Um, I just I just miss Etzon on you know starting lineup. I just think he's a great youngster, that Mexican youngster that needs you know minutes and opportunity. Um, but there's some things like you said, you know, the great the great pairing duo has done great things. Um there's you can't really say anything about it. I just miss Edson mm. on the starting lineup. That's my low. What's your low?
1: Um, it has to be for me the the save from Raul Godinho and the penalty in the Clásico. Yeah, uh, that's uh, obviously would have got América victory and the Azteca against their great rivals in the last second. So... um, And you
0: were there. (laughs) I
1: was there, I was there. And it it was certainly a moment that made it feel like a victory for the Chivas fans and like a defeat for the América fans. So that would be my low.
0: Interesting. Okay. Moving along to Pumas, number three on the table. What is your high? Uh,
1: I've got a couple to pick out. I mean, Firstly, just the the victory they got recently against Toluca, which got them their place in uh, Laguia. It was the first time they've beaten a big team this season. It was away from home. So I think that was a very impressive victory, a very good victory for them. Uh, But a more general point is that they found a style that's worked for them. And Pumas are the most direct team in Liga Mekis. They by far play the most long balls and clearances. Um, you know, way more than anyone else in the league, and there's there's a fair few direct teams in this league, but they really stand out. And they, you know, they play a pretty basic four four two. You could say they've got your target man Carlos Gonzalez, the, the poacher Felipe Mora. You've got um, on the right uh, your your crosser in Pablo Pereira. You've got on the left Martin Rodriguez, who's the more tricky, skillful winger. Um, and I th- I think the it's just worked um, what Patino's done there and it's, it's, they found a distinctive style uh, and it's been effective for them this season um, also Malcora who's been moved to a central midfield position I think he's he's done very very well Graham. very creative influence in that midfield playing balls into the box and uh, doing decently defensively as well so I think um, yeah overall it's it's been a, a good season for Paul Mass <laughs>
0: My high is the same as you. Um, Pumas have had a regular season. Um, I mean, then third on the table. I, at the beginning, when we did our pre uh, season podcast, I said Pumas is not going to make a Ligia. Like, they're going to hmm. be up there and decline. And I'm pretty surprised that they've kept it up and had a, has had a really regular season. They haven't lost as much. Actually, I think they, they've tied a lot. Um, and think of past other podcast that I mentioned um, my low would just probably be that game versus Puebla and I think you were at that game where they were up yep. 2-0 yep. and they easily just threw that away <laughs> so it's kind of just like that inconsistency on that game um, but other than that what's your low?
1: A, a similar one in terms of a game they were, were winning and ended up tying 2-2 is the one against America where obviously There's a big game playing against America. They're 2-1 up. And you've had Roger Martinez and Bruno Valdez both sent off. So they're playing against nine men. And Henry Henry Martin comes up with a 92nd-minute equalizer. So that would be my low for the season.
0: Interesting. Good. Okay, moving along to Santos, who sits at number four on the table. Um, My high is... I have a couple... Um, Julio Furch, striker who is lethal every season, and I really love watching him. Um, also, my high would be the youngsters, Angulo and Arteaga. Um, definitely have been, been uh, part of the college for La Sociedad Mexicana, You see that freshness in these youngsters and the potential that they could have in the next couple of years. Um, so I do appreciate um, Santos going with these Mexican youngsters and starting them off and getting the minutes. I um, also appreciated Santos with their all their second goalie, um, Carlos Acevedo, because I do think he has a bright future. Um, he's 22 years old. I could see him potential potentially being called up. Um, great, great youngster. I watched him a match where he started, and he did phenomenal to me. So what is your high for Santos?
1: I think um, the way they've replaced what they've lost. And... To me, this is a remarkable season for Santos, if not even more impressive than when they won it last year. I think to, to lose Janini and both your centre-backs, which mm-hmm. have been the backbone of, of the side, of the way they've played for so long, is Gerdos and Nestor leaving. And um, obviously, in terms of Giannini, they had Cabecito Rodriguez came in, a direct replacement, different style of player. But still, a quality striker, um, forward player, and he's replaced him very well. Uh, and then they signed two new centre-backs, Hugo Nervo and Doria, and the two have been absolutely sensational. And it's like Iskierdas and Nestor have never left; they've mm-hmm. they've just got a direct replacement. Um, and the other thing they replaced is the coach with Sirbuldi leaving. They they've managed to re- replace him without anything really changing, without any problems. I think this speaks volumes of how well run this club is and I think people uh, don't actually appreciate th- that, that this team spend a lot less money than a lot of the other teams in the league. Wages are yeah. a lot lower than some of the big clubs and um, they compete with them and it's because they have a, a philosophy, they have a plan and in terms of the coach they've, they've promoted from within. So it, it just keeps that whole club philosophy, the style of play, the, the ideology they have. Um, and, and their ideology goes beyond just the style of play. It's, it's a, a whole mentality of, of having a good social impact, everything like that. So uh, this season has just been, I think, remarkable for Santos. Very, very, very impressed. And Firch, of course, you have to mention him. I mean, he's, he's scoring almost one goal for every two shots. It's it's a ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous striker performance I've ever seen in Liga Mackeys.
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Props to Santos for, you know, having a well-composed club and believing in what they do. Um, Milo. <laughs> Took me a while. Um, Lalo Herrera because we mentioned it in our um, preseason podcast how we thought it was unexplainable. Um, and like we said, like we predicted actually, not seeing activity. Tom, you're laughing because we, we we predicted this, you know? It's just something that it is what it is. And I guess that would be the, the only like low to that. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, I think in fairness, they, they brought him in as a backup to footch they wanted a target man if Fuch was injured, um, and yeah. I mean he hasn't been. And why would you not play Fuchs right now? So
0: exactly, exactly. Um, that's the only low that I have for that. What about you?
1: Well, I'd say the whole Cebalde scandal. I, th- I think the way yeah. it's been dealt with yeah. in the long term is very impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. The way they've replaced him, the way that you know it's it's all gone quiet. But at the at the time, it was quite concerning. Um, especially for such a reputable club to have the sort of scandal you expect from a Veracruz, you know?
0: And we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. Okay, moving to Monterrey, who sit at number five on the table. What is your high for Monterrey?
1: I think the victory over Toluca that they got about a month ago and uh, look, it hasn't been a very good season for Monterey at all, but they've kept themselves around that top eight and the win over Toluca with a, a late goal from uh, Daniel Lejoud in the 85th minute, who's a young player who's, who's made some impression this season, that sort of cemented them, especially as their last three games, Veracruz uh, and axar Atlas. So uh, that would be my high for the season.
0: My high is going to be my low which is Diego Alonso, just because I I really like Diego Alonso and what he did at uh, Pachuca. So, Monterrey being smart and replacing them with Diego Alonso uh, would be the right idea. Um, but like we've mentioned in, in previous podcasts, it's like Mohamed never left. It's like they play exactly the same. There's no excitement. There's yeah. no creativity. It's, it's more the same thing. So, Diego Alonso has lacked a style Monterrey to adapt to and I think it's shown and I'm going to transition to Milo uh, which is that and Pizarro because I think it was a waste of player that they acquired when he was at a prime in order to export and we kind of all know how that went down, that mini soap opera went down with Pizarro that many of us did not agree Um, so that would be my other low what about
1: you? Yeah, Pizarro is what I've got for their low. You know, he's he hasn't fit into the way they play. He's had a very very poor season. Uh, it's been a low for him. It's been a low for Monterrey in terms of waste of money uh, and a low in, in general for the Mexico national team. Um, but you know, this is this is the impact of having rules where we force certain number of Mexicans to play and teams mm-hmm. like Monterrey who have money are going to be demanding the very, very best uh, Mexican players. And so, you know, they they might often, they're going to be more willing to pay the money than um, a European team who maybe uh, might like the look of someone like Pizarro, but think, ah, well, Mexican league, can we trust? Is it the same? Is he going to transition? Is he going to adapt, fit in, etc.? Do we want to go spending 10 plus million dollars? Monterey? Yeah. Happy to do that.
0: Of course. Money bags. I feel like they have a when Pizarro came in just flying bells everywhere. Um rumors. I'm just gonna sneak this in here. Uh, apparently a rumor that Monterrey wants Victor Davila, which is interesting rumor. As well as um Pulido, which is interesting too. What do you think about that?
1: It's going to be an interesting window, I think. Uh, Davila, I think, is going to go somewhere. all heavily linked. Um, also. I think he's going to go somewhere. are certainly, as we know, aren't a side that hold on to their best players. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole Chivas thing is going to be interesting. Who stays, uh, who, goes, who goes, and most importantly, who comes in. So it's going to be yeah some interesting draft moves, I think.
0: Okay. Moving along to... The other regio team Tigres that's it in 6th on the table um, my high for Tigres is Gignac uh, I think Gignac best striker um, 14 goals at this point last weekend um, before international break scored a poker of 4 goals golazos Gignac consistent with his with his golazos and he has um, signed a new deal with Tigres mm-hmm. and he stays in Mexico so you can definitely expect more of Gignac how many plus years? He's 32 right now, would you give him like 3 years maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean he seems motivated as long as he's motivated then I think he can keep having a, a good impact
0: Yeah, 14 goals he passed Furt because um, he scored four goals out of nowhere. I don't think we all saw that coming. But that's my high for Tigres. What is your high?
1: Similar. I mean, Gignac, definitely a high. Uh, the th- the thrashing of Puebla, massive. I think that, that is the high of the season. Uh, it's something they've done so many years. We think, oh, maybe they will miss out on the playoffs. Week, two weeks to go, they get a big win, normally against Puebla. And uh, now they're heading into Ligia, full of confidence, and I think the high... Could be to come. I think they're going to be a massive, massive threat in Ligia. Uh, also, I'd say Carioca. Carioca's had to play a more advanced, more creative role this season with Guido Pizarro coming back in, and he's done very, very well in that role. So it's been a, a bit of an evolution of his play style, and, and he's done well. So I think the, high, the big high could be to come, though.
0: Interesting. Now, tell me about your low for DIGITAS.
1: I think Tuca being away. I think it's negatively impacted them. It's not ideal to have your coach missing um, every once a month going away for a week or so. So I think that's been the low for, for Tigres.
0: I agree. I have Tuca Ferretti being pulled away from Tigres and has neglected Tigres for the season. I think we've seen that. And I think he even agrees with it that his Tigres hasn't been playing as well as, you know, throughout the other seasons um, but we know the potential that Tigres does have um, me just being the evil person kind of wanting one of the Regios team out of La Ligia just because <laughs> um, but yeah Tigres have been really inconsistent and has had a really strange season they haven't been superior but we all know they turn it on for La Ligia so definitely a low Tuca being away from Tigres and neglecting them as a low um moving along to toluca number seventh on the table tom what is your high for toluca
1: from it's a difficult one they've had a very middle of the road season toluca my high would say, it would be that they've managed to play quite well without Sambuesa and without barrientos at times this season barrientos because of injury Sambuesa because he keeps getting sent off once again uh, I think Caniones has done very, very well in their absence. I think he's having a very good season. Alexis Vega has been fantastic. The two fullbacks have been exceptional. Borja and Salinas, who probably offer more attacking threat than anyone else in the league, so that would be that would be my high. Because the big concern is without those two, particularly Sambuesa, the attack completely goes. But arguably they they've actually played better without him sometimes they are a little bit more solid defensively plus there isn't the risk of him being sent off
0: true so they keep their squad full yeah (laughs) Um, my high would be the Toluca versus Necaxa game the 3-2 probably one of my favorite games it's my favorite game
1: of the season (laughs) Uh,
0: really really great game we saw lots of goal we saw both teams attacking and the give and go I mean, Alexis Vega's goal and Matias Fernandez, his goal, golazo. Just picking it up, half turn. It was phenomenal. Um, So I really enjoyed that game a lot. And also redundant for the 10,000th time, Alexis Vega, youngster who's very talented and he's great up in the attack. Um, So props to him for remaining consistent. And rumors, he might go to Chivas. We'll see. We'll see how that story ends there. Um I don't have an actual low for De Luca. It was pretty difficult. Um so what's your low for De Luca?
1: Well again to mention him, Sambuesa. I mean the last two games he started he's been sent off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's typical Sambuesa though. What what else can we expect? He, he has it's a, just it's just not okay.
1: It's not and um he's such a phenomenal player. He but is. with with this I mean, is it worth it? You wonder, because it's such a risk.
0: It is a risk. Uh,
1: a- but I, I tell you what, seeing him live is, is a real treat. I mean, the, the game against Nekaxa, uh, he was utterly phenomenal. I mean, the, the guy, I, I, I describe it as having a remarkable ability of being always unmarked and always mm-hmm. available and always in space. Like, he, he could just always receive the ball in a dangerous area. Uh, absolute genius the way he reads the game is is amazing and obviously phenomenal technique just mentally he mentally ball, just really loses hard. it
0: yeah the way, it's really hard to take the ball away from him he holds it so well yeah uh, yeah so props to Zambuesa okay now moving along to Morelia who sits eighth on the table it's just right there currently um, in La Ligia my high, and I'm probably going to steal it from you from last podcast, uh, would be um, Hernandez's work with the team. I think um, you you said it perfectly last podcast. Um, where we were talking about um, Morelia and just the players that back him up, and you know his ideology. He's, he's focused on the, how the team functions rather than you know playing with stars um, that clearly how he has benched but has worked very effectively and just big props to him because he's a different coach and he he trusts in himself so that would be my high what's your high
1: well I mean totally agree with that just to go in a little bit more specific replacing Rui Diaz who's scored 20 goals for Morelia in the past two Liga Mackey seasons Um, such a tough thing and they've managed to to do it to a pretty impressive extent, partly through uh, young, the young striker, Ferreira, who's been pretty prolific in front of goal, and also Miguel Sansores, who's come into fantastic form recently. So the, the two of them have meant that Ruiz hasn't been missed as much as many expected.
0: Definitely. Um, what is your low?
1: Well, it's interesting, um, because the, the low almost becomes a high. Um, pretty similar to Santos the low for me is losing to Lobos 3-1 terrible defeat and after that they've gone and won four, four of the last five games so the game itself was a low but um, it sparked their best form of the season
0: interesting um, my low is if they aren't make, able to make it to La Liga. they have a tough game last jornada versus Crystal Crystal's basically not in, in La Ligia uh, first place. So it's a lot of, uh, at stake for Morelia, especially sitting at eighth on the table currently, um, knowing that Pachuca and Querétaro trail behind them. So that would be by low if Morelia was not able to make it into La Liga. I yeah. think it's a team that has worked great constantly this season. Uh, lots of people have overlooked. So it would be great for Monterrey, Digo, sorry, it would be great for Morelia to be in a Ligia and turn on the Ligia mode and see what they have. Um, so that's my low, just in case that scenario did happen. Um, moving along to Bachuca, currently number nine on the table. Um, Tom, what is your high for Bachuca?
1: The development of Victor Guzman this season. Uh, from a useful midfield goal scorer to an all-around... Um, creative attacking midfield threat who has been one of the best players in Liga Mequis this season uh, the amount of creation that he's ad- added to his game is utterly phenomenal he's created more chances this season than he did in the whole of uh, 2017-18 so his development has been surprising and uh, a joy to watch
0: I agree I have uh, Portugal's man as my high as well as the functionality of um, this team under Paco Yestaran. Um I w- I don't want to say I was very like sure of him, but I think throughout the season it's worked. Um, so just the functionality working with the players he does have, um, Pablo Lopez getting minutes, Ujoa um, fitting into the team well, um, and beating Thetas in quarterfinals of Copa Mackies was probably really great to watch um, I remember that match So mm. um, we're both really hopeful that Pachuca does make it to La Liga. very exciting team to watch definitely um, my low would be if Pachuca did not make it into La Liga. would be very devastating um, and I think the other low that I have is um, when they lost in semifinals in Copa Marquis in penales versus Monterrey because mm-hmm. Chaco um, came in at the sub yeah, yeah, it's good. and scored that free kick golazo, putting them up again and to the opportunity to um, advance and we all know what happened. So um, that's my low. What's your low for Pachuca?
1: Just the start of the season. One point from their first four games. It took them a while. I think A.S. now finding the, the, the best system but I think it took him a while and that's what's costing them in many ways that's if they had a better start they'd be in Ligia
0: Agreed Um, Okay now moving on to Queretaro number 10 on the table my high would be Rafa Puente um, as coach for Queretaro I think we all kind of were surprised that Lobos let him go Um, but Querétaro took a great um, opportunity and acquired Rafa Puente as coach. So they have a lot of great players: Querétaro, does, San Beso, um, um Novaretti, Pablo. Yes, oh, so you have a, you have a great squad. Um, George Corral. I mean, list goes on and on. And that would be my high. And what would your high be?
1: The Brazilians at either end of the pitch. Volpi, who hasn't conceded a single shot from outside the box this season. And Camilo, um, scoring, creating, has been one of the best players in Liga Mequis this season. And then Marcel Ruiz, yeah, in the emergence of a, a very talented yeah. youngster uh, who looks like a very interesting midfield player. He's a bit different to a lot of Mexicans. He's, he's not the sort of standard tricky dribbler uh, that you expect as an attacking midfielder. He's someone who is better at, uh, creatively in terms of playing passes, um, playing as an attacking midfielder. He can play a little bit deeper. He's very, very good on the ball, good at finding space uh, and good at moving the ball onto uh, his attacking players. So a uh, different prospect to many and uh, an exciting one, certainly.
0: See, I agree with that. What would your low be? it, that old?
1: I think the low would be. Uh, the low could come in the transfer window for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've already mentioned Ruiz linked with Chivas, Hiramier, Uh there would be a loss to their defense. And I mean, every season I expect that someone's going to come in for Volpi and San Veso. So the low could definitely come in the transfer window and uh, losing a few key players will make things very, very difficult for Puente. I, I, I rate the guy. I think he's a good coach, but... It's so hard to deal with losing key players in these short Liga seasons.
0: Agree. Um, moving along to Chivas, who sit at number 11 on the table. Tom, what is your high for Chivas?
1: It's, there's very little high in terms of, I think, results. Uh, I think the high comes in terms of the potential that they have for the future. We've already mentioned the potential signings. A guy like Ruiz would be a fantastic signing for them. Mier would be very good as well to strengthen defence. They've also been linked, like you mentioned, Vega, uh Velo Pando as well. These guys would, would be excellent signings for them. Plus, we saw the emergence of some young players, particularly in the midfield this season. Uh, Cervantes coming through and, um, you know, at, at times he's been keeping... Or Billy Pineda out of the side, and I think he's a, an interesting midfield talent. He's someone that I've heard people speak about for quite a long time now. So there's a, there's a few others. Obviously the strikers like Godinez has had some minutes, and um, and the other midfielder that's that's played a lot, the holding midfielder Fernando Beltran. So there's some potential in this team, but this season hasn't been great.
0: Agreed. My high would be Chofis uh, sending a new, a new deal with Chivas so he will be remaining in Chivas. Trophies is a player that we both have said is underrated and Chofis is going to Chofis every game so that should be the new <laughs> lingo in that. Um, also Jaid Pereira looking to renew there's still, both parties still trying to agree with that because it was said that Jaid was, uh, mm. Pareda was going to leave from mm. Chivas and then now they kind of work trying to work something out. Um, my low for Chivas would be Cardoso. Um, I think we both agreed, And not the ideal for Chivas whatsoever. I think there was no other choice. So they just had to go with what they could acquire at that time. We all know Chivas was in a difficult financial situation. And it is what it is. Uh, the lack of players, the lack of acquiring uh, players, especially thinking, hey, Chivas is going to be in the club world cup let's try and stack up and get some signings in that will give us more potential to do well at least and that did not happen so um i think just think they need to really uh, pick it up because chivas is a great it's a huge team um very you know it defines mexico a team that only plays with mexicans so that would be my low for chivas what is your low
1: not beating Carretero, they they completely dominated that game and um, lost it in the last second year. It wasn't a penalty, but you know Chivas's penalty wasn't one either. They'd just come off the back of beating Monterrey. They looked in good form. They looked like they were going to be pushing themselves up to a Ligia spot. Failed to beat Carreta, and since then, they've won one of their last six, and that was only in the last game against Leon, when Ligia was already out of the question.
0: Definitely um okay moving along to Puebla number 12 on the table um to, I cannot come up with a high Tom so tell me your high for Puebla
1: my high uh, I got a couple to mention one is that they've been very flexible tactically I think they've they've done well they've managed to come back in games like being 2-0 down against Chivas being 2-0 down against Pumas they've managed to alter their formation they've played three at the back they've played two up front they've played three up front and um They've managed to change games by being flexible tactically. The other thing is, th- they've had a very big overachievement versus their expected goals uh, this season. And they're basically the only team outside of the playoffs that have had a significant overachievement in terms of goals versus their expected goals. So they've, they've been efficient in attack.
0: Interesting. Um, Milo for Puebla would be probably they're inconsistent um, they haven't had that many yeah. great games but it, it sometimes feels like oh Puebla's playing a good game so they have those sports of moments where they're actually playing at the team you see you know potential there but it just hasn't been a great season uh, for them so tell me your low for Puebla
1: well linking to that I mean it, you can flip on what I said about the positive of, oh, they're flexible tactically and they can change games when they're losing. You can flip that to the negative and say, well, hang on a minute. They were two nil down against Pumas and Chivas within like 10, 15 minutes. That's, that's not good enough. Um, Letting go the three points against Lobos, not good enough. You know, conceding the late goal against America when America were down to 10 men. Um, They've, they've let points slip. Definitely. They've let points slip away from their fingers
0: okay moving along to leon who currently is at number 13 13 is the bad luck number and they just happen to be sitting there so um my high as you guys know leon is my team um i'm very hard on them but my high for leon would be signing up pedro aquino because i think uh, during their transfer window they acquired a lot of signings but pedro aquino it's probably the best signing that they had and i'm very happy that we have them and keep them for a couple of years he, he opened a barber shop too in leon so at least i know he's staying there for a while um also a high for leon the new stadium that is coming soon they presented the project of uh, the new stadium that looks amazing uh, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be one of the best um, in the whole world uh, so i'm looking forward to that um, and let's see oh my other high is the semi-final of Copa Mequis where they face Cruz Azul and Leon was down with 10 men because Boseli got red carded early in the game and it was a tough match but I give lots of props to Leon because they did great work defensively they, they played really well defensively sad that the way that game turned out was not in favor of leon as we all know um but those are my highs um uh, probably another high i could say but can kind of be a low would be rodofocota um but that can kind of that can be my high and my low so what is your high for my leon Uh,
1: i i have dan aquino particularly i think he's been a very very good signing and Overall, Leon are the team that have made the most tackles and interceptions per 90 minutes. Aquino leads the league for this, so he's a big reason why. And Mejia is another reason why he's, he's second in the league for that. So, Leon, um, they've been effective at winning the ball. <laughs> Not so much as when they win the ball, but that, that's been something they've been effective at and it's something that they can build on for the future.
0: So, before I go rage mode on my lows for Leon, what is your low for Leon? <laughs>
1: it's not replacing Elias and um, you know compare this to the the long term thinking of Santos and the way they're able to replace the the big players they lose they are the complete opposite they lose arguably the best crosser in Liga Mequis and they bring in wingers like Yaro Moreno and um, Meneses who are terrible crossers I mean these guys are good dribblers they're good at running with the ball they're quick uh, which is something that Elias isn't great at but Elias' strength was being able to deliver excellent balls into the box for Mauro Buscelli to attack. And Leon have completely lost that. Uh, The the replacements they've made, I mean, the crossing efficiency of all the wingers this season has been awful. Jaido Moreno is is ridiculous. He's on about 10, 15% crossing accuracy, uh, which is less than half of Elias. So that's the big low for me. And um, it's shown.
0: I agree um, I have many lows and Leon suffers defensively uh, and then you brought that out and you mentioned that before and I totally agree we suffer a lot uh, we don't have a a strong backbone as a center back duo mm-hmm. we just don't um, even on Navarrito great Cornejo has his moments um, another low Chavo Diaz should not have stayed this season we all were kind of wanting him to leave um before the season started and we were surprised when they were like well we're gonna give him another season and we all we all knew what was gonna happen um it was not gonna go well and it showed um so he shouldn't have stayed and the consequences are there um we are where we're at and we've been playing just like we have said before um a leather low we could lose Boselli. there's a rumor out there that um bocelli wants to renew his contract with leon but he wants to be keep getting paid the same rate right now um and it's kind of up in the air just because of his age and he kind of wants to extend his contract for two more years so there's a possibility that we could lose Boselli, which would be very deadly for leon um i agree with Losing Elias was a a low because we were not able to replace him. No one has been able to feed Roseli the way Elias has. Um, So that has really hit us hard this season. Um, Some players that I really question, I was low. Leo Lopez, not the same Leo Lopez that was at Toluca and came back. Totally two different Leo Lopez. Menezes, when we acquired him late in the season and doesn't fill me as a good player for leon walter who has i kind of said at the beginning of the season great duo with Boselli. we kind of tend to realize now that that doesn't work and he comes in as a sub and he does what he can but hasn't filled the role the ceo still makes me wonder um uh, then ambriz came which kind of mid-season where are we going to get a new coach at this time um, didn't play bad under him. Um, just a questioning to see if he will stay or he will leave. And I guess my other low, and this is my emotional low, is that some players don't understand what it is to play with Leon. They don't understand the feeling of having that jersey on, having all your aficionados um, every day be loyal and go to this, go to the stadium and. Because why? Because that's how Leon uh, fans are. When they were in second division, that stadium was full every week. Every week, regardless. So some players don't know the significance of what it means to play for Leon. And I think when when Leon has lost this season, it's pitiful. Because if they lose, okay, they lose. But at least they tried. At least they did this. I can't say that most of the game. So that really hurts me as a fan. So that's Milo, that Whoever comes to play in Leon, they need to realize that there's an emotion behind it. And they need to play like there's no tomorrow. Why? Because we're passionate. And we want to see that same passion portrayed on the field. If not, then what are you doing in Leon? Go somewhere else. I rest my case for that. <laughs> I needed to get off that off my chest. <laughs> that
1: sounded like it, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. So. Enough of Leon, because you guys are probably tired of me talking about Leon. Get very emotional. Um moving along to Lobos currently in 14th on the table. Tom, what is your high for Lobos?
1: The incredible impact of Leonardo Javier Ramos, 8 goals in 8 games since he's come into the team and Lobos have been in excellent form uh since he's he's been part of the the team after a terrible start and it's given them a respectable finish for Lobos I think and um you know they they're now still within a chance of staying up if relegation does happen this season so his impact has been absolutely incredible
0: 8 goals in 8 games?
1: 8 goals in 8 games plus 2 assists as well
0: nice, pretty consistent there Um, my high would just be Paco Valencia giving him an opportunity uh, to afford another Mexican um, coach who is still developing in his um, coach role um, that's pretty much all I have and low, well Lobos haven't been doing so well as I guess you know despite him having 8 goals in 8 games and just overall Lobel's hasn't been great you know
1: yeah they, they've picked it up lately with, with the impact of, of Ramos they've only lost one of their last 7 games which is quite remarkable for them but the start of the season was awful, awful. <laughs> they, lost, they lost 7 of their first 9 to start yeah. the, the season so okay
0: let's move along to Cholos. Curly 15th on the table my high is new coach um, Oscar Pareja FC Dallas coach to coach Cholos. so they have come into an agreement um, it's crazy Sholos have had 10 coaches in 8 years wow. very very interesting um, Oscar Pareja FC Dallas coach um, has also coached another team in MLS and in conjunction with Dallas in seven, uh, has had seven seasons in MLS. Uh, 103 wins, 79 losses, 56 draws. Um, we'll, we'll see what he brings to, to short It's a different league. It's a different atmosphere. The pressure's more on. We'll, we will see. Um, and just to add that, I think to the coach, the 10 coaches in eight years, as much as... <laughs> I don't like saying it, but I have to admit, um, probably my favorite season of Cholos was with when Miguel Herrera was at Cholos. I really, really enjoyed um, that season where Biojo was there, um, 16th, 17th year, and it was a great season. I really, really enjoyed it. He kept them... Uh, very consistent, up on the table. Um, so we will see the impact of Oscar Pareja and Solos and see what he'll bring because Solos have been kind of struggling um, coach-wise the past you know, two years. So what is your high for Xolos?
1: Uh, exact same thing, the the new coach. I think it's going to be very difficult for him. I think it's very difficult, particularly for a coach to come from MLS to uh, Liga Mekis. You come from um, you come from a non-competitive league where everyone's owned by the same people and uh, you, you, to the cutthroat short-termism of Ligomekis it's not easy I he's, couldn't have said it better <laughs> he's got to <laughs> <Grand> hit <bro. laughs> he's got to hit the ground running but um, I think I, I hope Cholos give him time because from what I've read about him what I've heard about him he is the sort of guy that will be very good for them they're, they're a club that are looking to have more of a long-term impact, long-term goals, looking to bring through young players. And this is what Parekh has done. He was at Dallas for a long time. He worked a lot with the young players. He, he brought a lot of guys through. So I think he's the sort of coach that seems to fit into what the club want to do. But we all know what Liga Mekis is like. A few mm-hmm. defeats, poor start to the season. Suddenly, no one's thinking about the long-term you gotta go straight away, uh, and it's such a difficult season. Uh, it's, sorry, it's such a difficult place to coach. In that sense, um, you know, I, I, I can see it personally. It's very very hard, but also it's it's sport, and it's what makes sport special in a way. Um, the fact that it is so competitive, that it is so hard, uh, that that is, I mean, it shows that it's important. It shows that it matters.
0: Agreed. Okay, moving along to Necaxa, currently sixteenth on the table. Tom, what is your high for Necaxa?
1: First two games of the season, they beat Monterrey in the Supercopa and and then they beat América to start the Liga MX season. Um, and they had some highs in in terms of playing some very very good football. There were some really entertaining matches of Nacaxa this season, particularly the game you picked out against Toluca, which I was very fortunate to be at. I mean, it was just a a wonderful game of football.
0: Agreed. Uh, My high was uh, Michele Año um, taking over the team, Uh, a young coach uh, with a great ideology, that's my high, and will transition as Milo because of his departure, and I don't think it was fair. Uh, I think they should have given him another season he had he didn't even complete the season um, despite results and and all that stuff I don't think it was fair because if like we've said before if we look at the big picture Nick Cox lost a lot of great players didn't replace them and the players that are playing aren't quality players Um, even just looking at the defensive line I mean it's not the strongest and like we said before, the loss of a lot of fundamental players, um, Piojo Alvarado, Lichnocki, Goalie, Barovero, I mean, what can you do? Um, but, you know, you still have great players. Like, the three that I can say we both really enjoy watching, Vialpando Matias, and Victor Davila. Uh, but they can't do it alone, you know? Um, I think there was a, a stat out there that those three were, I think the Liga Mekis are the three players that have taken most shots. I think, throughout the season. Um, so, that is my low for Nick Axel. Tell me about your low for Nick Axel.
1: Well, a couple. I mean, first of all, almost every single team, when they sack a manager, will see a very short-term improvement. Next couple of games, they improve. Nick Axel haven't improved since getting rid of Lionel. Uh, so, the decision to sack him was, was really terrible. Um, I mean, they got absolutely battered by Pachuca a couple of weeks ago. So, it's... It, that's a big low. And, um, obviously, like we've mentioned many, many times, the short term is in, they're not committing to a style. But, uh, at the big low for me is the transfers. That's the major low. I mean, you can't re- lose Badovero, place him with Hugo Gonzalez. Lose Lichnovsky and Deluna, and replace them with Ventura Alvarado. Ventura
0: Alvarado
1: and i mean having to bring in a youngster donaldo hernandez who's who's done okay Uh, leo lopez is the other guy that they brought in you know these guys are just nowhere near the same quality losing piojo alvarado and not replacing him with anyone um they the transfers that they did losing really five of their best players and the backbone of their team the two center backs and the goalkeeper I think whoever was in charge this season, it was always going to be a bad season. I don't think there was anything they could have done uh, because you need the players, especially in a short season, you need the quality. Uh, You can't lose that many good players, replace them with significantly worse players and expect to carry on doing well. It's it's, it's not going to happen.
0: Definitely agree with you. Um, I really enjoyed um, watching the Coxo this season. I think when, when we were watching games, we we're like we really enjoyed it. Um, so
1: it it started off fun and then it, it got kind of sad.
0: It got really sad. Yeah. Uh, but the the times that they were doing you know well and we really enjoyed watching. So yeah, really exciting too. Um, we're almost we're almost done, Tom. <laughs> Let's go to Atlas number seventeenth on the table. My high would be, I have two highs um, for Atlas. They're a very special team. Um, Their win against Toluca, because we were watching that game, and madness, because Jornada 11, Atlas won. And we were like, oh, my God, yes, they finally won. (laughs) Uh, That was a great game to watch, especially against Toluca, as we know, really... A team that's always been pretty consistent has a, a great, um, valuable players on their team. Also, my other high, scoring their first goal this season versus Tigres. Big props, big props, and that happened in jornada um, ocho. So, it's been a struggle for Atlas, but those two things are my high, and I definitely take away from their season. So, talk to me about your high for Atlas.
1: The high is that they've only lost one of their last six games and they've regained some sort of respect and uh, some points in terms of uh, the tabla de cociente.
0: And what is your low?
1: Well, they started off the season with one goal (laughs) (laughs) from over 120 (laughs) shots, which is still the most ridiculous statistic I have ever seen in football. And it's my favourite thing. In a way, I mean, sorry, Atlas fans, but it, it's so ridiculous. It's fun. Um, I'm, I'm always gonna love that graph I made when they're on, you know, everyone else is on Earth and they're on the Sun or, or some other planet. It's brilliant.
0: If you guys uh, need to see that graph, look through Tom's Twitter. <laughs> he, he has it somewhere buried in. I'll, I'll bring
1: it. I'll bring it back again at one time. Graph, okay. of, graph of the season
0: graph of the season Mm -hmm. where you guys can search for Atlas on that graph Um, yeah my low would just be an upsetting season for them, a real struggle I can just imagine, um, especially to the start of it, how mentally it must have hit them Um, so hopefully they'll bounce back next season Um, now moving along to the last team number eighteenth, Veracruz what is your high for Veracruz?
1: It's a difficult one, but I can pick out Christian Menendez, uh, their, their main striker, who, I mean, we'll see how long he's there for. I know he's, he's been linked with some moves away, but he's scored six times this season from 23 shots. So uh, I think he's had a pretty good season for Veracruz.
0: I don't really have a high. <laughs> so I'm going to just move to the low, which is the scandal that was going on about the double contracts existing in Veracruz. Unpaid wages, um, kind of putting Liga mix reputation on the line just to question if other teams are doing this uh, regarding double con contracts. And uh, their president, Guri, uh, you know, is a very strange character. Let's put it that way. Um, their coach at that point, Vasquez, uh, was saying that he he signed a contract just kind of for the the league to say hey you know these are coached but he was promised another contract for his own pay and that never happened and him messaging and calling the president like hey what's going on president never returning his texts or calls um so he resigned and that was totally understandable i was surprised how long he he hold up to that um until he finally had enough and resigned um so yeah, it's just interesting the whole scandal behind um, Veracruz and the double the double contracts, and I just think it's really iffy. Um, what is your low?
1: Well, I mean, I could talk about how overall they've been terrible. Um, <laughs> the whole team has been very, very bad, uh, to be honest. There, in terms of creating chances, in terms of defensively their metrics are terrible this season they at least in the last few seasons they had uh, somewhat style it was very ugly but it was somewhat effective they've completely lost any sort of style this season uh, Pedro Gaese coming from a great world cup has been absolutely horrific conceding six goals from 16 shots outside the box I mean that's terrible terrible rate. Right? I could talk about all that but the key thing is the scandals and it's n- it's not just the one you mentioned, it's the stuff that's coming out now, which yes. is um, the, the alleged sexual abuse within the fuerzas Básicas, uh, mm-hmm. which is obviously some horrific, horrific allegations. And, uh, you know, I, I never want to make too much of a judgment until things have, have been gone through a, a proper court process um, and... But obviously the, the accusations are terrible, and it 's just yet another scandal at Veracruz, um, the club that really are doing a lot of harm to the reputation of Liga Mekis. and you know this is a, a fam- fantastic league with wonderful football, um, constant excitement and drama, some brilliant players uh, ex- you just you know every season there 's going to be so much um, excitement from games not even just in Leguia but during the regular season there's so many storylines going on it's, it's, it's a wonderful league I love it uh, but there's always these negative sides and uh, so often it is Veracruz that are uh, providing the negative sto- stories
0: Sadly it has been a tough season for them Ok Tom is ready to leave and so am I so I hope you guys really enjoyed this podcast we had a lot of fun going through every team and telling you guys a little bit about every team um, and I hope you guys really enjoy this and just stay tuned for next week's podcast where we will have the Liga set already so lots of intense drama in those matches will be coming up um, Tom if people aren't following you already where can they follow you at?
1: It's at TomH underscore 36 and where can they find you Karina?
0: At Gary underscore 7 um you guys can find us there check out tom's page for all his articles definitely read into his last article about goalkeeper goalkeepers really really good one i'm highly suggesting it and yeah so thank you guys for listening to another football podcast episode nine and enjoy your liga mx weekend
1: we'll see you next time